0: THE FOLLOWING PROGRAM IS SPONSORED BY FRIENDS OF LIFE OUTREACH INTERNATIONAL. COMING UP ON LIFE TODAY, BETH MOORE CHALLENGES US TO HELP BELIEVERS OUT OF THE TRAPS OF SIN.
1: PEOPLE OUT THERE NEED TO HEAR THAT YOU CAN BE VERY MUCH IN CHRIST AND IN SIN. SOMEONE, BECAUSE OTHERWISE, YOU KNOW WHAT WE'RE DOING? WE'RE JUST HIDING WITH EVERYBODY BECAUSE WE DON'T WANT TO TELL THEM BECAUSE WE DON'T BELONG ANYWHERE THEN AND WE'RE TOO SHAMED. We're too shine.
0: Join us as we spend Wednesdays in the Word next.
2: You're great. Thank you very much. You're kind and we appreciate it. Welcome to Life Today. I'm James Robison. Betty and I are thrilled to present Wednesday's In the Word. Beth Moore, who is the one who started these uh, In the Word Wednesdays, and what a blessing. And she has encouraged us to bring in others to teach, for a number of reasons. She wants to be a blessing to others, to give them an opportunity to share the incredible gift that God has given them, like Christine Kane or Lisa Bevere. And so you'll be hearing them from time to time. But you're going to hear Beth. She's talking about a man and his demons. And it's interesting that the media can reference demons and attorneys can talk about demons and Hollywood can talk about demons. But Christian ministers and teachers don't mention them, or you're not very sane in your thinking. And really, the only one who really knows about them well are those who know the Lord and who know Jesus, who knew more about them than anybody, and that's what Beth's going to talk about. I do want to remind all of you, if you want to be able to know how to overcome demonic deception and the darkness that comes from it, and how to get back out in the light and illuminate the way with understanding of the times. You really want to know what is important, why it's important, and how we can deal with these challenging issues effectively, go to the stream, stream stream.org. Here is Beth, Jesus and the man with demons. And boy, does Jesus know what to do. Beth Moore.
1: Listen, I'm thinking back to when I was a young woman. I had a heart for God, um, but I had a mind for the pit. Can anybody get that with me? Truly, I had a heart for God, but I had a head in the pit. And I just truly believed my own bad press. Um, I had such a low um, estimation of who I was, and it came out of a, you know, I've, I've said so many times, I don't know who I would have been had I not gone through um, young uh, childhood abuse. But the fact is that I did, so I don't know. I don't know how to take it out of my. I might have, maybe I would have been the same kind of person that I was, but I was abused, sexually abused so early that I have no memory of life prior to that time, and that's a heck of a way to grow up. And you grow up with a whole lot of shame. And then you do a lot, if, if you're like me, at least I did, I just did a lot of stupid things because you have no boundaries. And it's, it's a hard way to live. It's a very painful way to live. And I can remember um, just being so miserable because the Holy Spirit was living in me. I was in Christ, but I did not know how to live in the Spirit. And so I just would cycle in and out of that pit over and over again. And it didn't always look the same, but it would be another pit. It just would have a different kind of label on it. And I'd find myself in it, try to scratch my way out of it, tell God how sorry I was, and I was. I was. I just was powerless to stay out of it. I'd go right back to it again. I can remember uh, being a young woman and going in to a Christian bookstore and looking through the shelves for something that would talk to somebody who had done all of this as a believer. I could find all sorts of materials that talked about people who were once like this, then they met Jesus, and then they were like this. That was not me. I wish that had been me. That is an easier way to live. It's easier on your mind. That was not me. I was a child when I vividly and authentically invited Jesus Christ into my life as my personal Savior. I was taken with Him. I had already begun to have an affection for Him. I am positive that I was in Christ, but I am telling you that I went back and forth into one area of sin or bondage after another perusing the bookstores for some kind of hope for somebody who would say, I knew him and still got in this mess and that they could still get out with dignity. I could not find it. You can find it today, but in those days, maybe it just wasn't in my bookstores. But I am telling you, there was no such thing, no such message And it is the very reason why I'm so sorry I was the one um, that could have been qualified to write a book called When Godly People Do Ungodly Things. But I am telling you, people out there need to hear from some of us, and a number of us are talking now, that you can be very much in Christ and in sin. Someone? Because otherwise, you know what we're doing? We're just hiding with everybody. Because we don't want to tell them because we don't belong anywhere then. And we're too shamed. We're too shamed. Look at Psalm 32, verse 1, and then I want to show you verse 5. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is, I wonder what word many of you have there in that verse, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Look at this because it talks about our sins being forgiven and covered. Look at verse 5 because you need to see the concept and how it's in play here it says i acknowledged my sin to you and i did not cover up my iniquity i said i will confess my transgressions to the lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin look at this beautiful uh, principle what i do not cover up before god he covers he covers with the blood of his son. And it is the most beautiful concept because it said that the psalmist tol- tells us in Psalm 32 that it literally, the conviction, his bones were nearly wasting away. His whole body was sin sick because he had not confessed. And he said, I did not cover it up. I brought it before him. And then he forgave me and covered me over. What does he mean? He clothed him. He clothed him in robes of righteousness. I love uh, Proverbs thirty-one twenty-five. All of us women uh, that are familiar with this verse surely love it. Strength and dignity are her clothing. I cannot think of a more pertinent verse for our day, this day in which we live when we're trying to be women with a little bit of dignity in this world that surrounds us, where to be valuable is to be sensual. God, help us. God, help us. Strength and dignity are her clothing. Okay, you guys have got to turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Um, I happened on something in study. I have to believe I didn't just happen on it, that God sent me There, As I was um, on the topic, on the theme of robed, I have looked in every single scripture because I was so fascinated that the man had not robed himself. That's how one of the very literal rendering of it would say not clothed himself, had not robed himself for a very long time. And then we're told at the end of the narrative that he is clothed or he is robed. So I looked up every single place in the scriptures where there is a reference To robes, Acts 9, 36 through 41. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Now, I realize Dorcas is an odd name. It's not the female name for a dork. It's not like there's a dork, and then a female version of a dork is Dorcas. I I, I know that's a little bit odd for us, but he's going to explain it right here. In verse 40, it says, Peter sent them all out of the room... I love this, Uh, please get into this visual with me. Sends him out of the room. Now this is Peter. One of the disciples of Christ, Christ by this time has been raised from the dead, has appeared to them over a period of 40 days, rose right before their very eyes on the Mount of Olives, was taken up, ascended into heaven and at a seat at the right hand of God, pours out his spirit 10 days later um, on um, on these disciples and gives them the, the uh, prophecy of the Holy Spirit on my sons and my daughters and they will prophesy in my name and they begin proclaiming the great gospel in number that exceeded anything that they had seen in those three years as he burst wide open the entire region for the gospel of Jesus Christ through the power of Christ's Spirit. So now we've got Peter. These are the disciples now ministering out and about by this time. Um, We're already seeing a great persecution. Uh, Peter is a mighty man of God filled with the Spirit. And so it says something interesting in verse 40. He sent all of them out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. And then turning toward the dead woman, he said, just stop with me, that far, just pause a moment and, and look at this. So he goes in, here is her body, all of these women that she has helped. So she's a woman in women's ministry. Because she's been clothing them and helping all of these widows. She's been robing all of these people who have been exposed uh, to famine and exposed to great poverty because of their situation. So picture her, and now we're told that Peter is in there with her. Here is her um, dead body. Peter prays, and then he turns toward her. So he prays, turned away from her, first of all. Now, let me tell you, notice what he says, turning toward the dead woman. So he's praying on his knees. So just think how he's just um, earnestly crying out to God. He prays, turning toward the dead woman. He says to her, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes. Seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. What had we already heard her name was? Dorcas, Dorcas, because Dorcas is the Greek version of the Aramaic name Tabitha. But I just want to throw something out here to you because this moved me so profoundly in my study time. There is an account where um, we see Jesus in Mark 541 take Peter, James, and John with him to heal Jairus' 12-year-old daughter. And so they're the only ones in the room with him when he is gonna raise this little girl from the stone cold dead. Now, I want you to hear in Mark's version what he says to the little girl. This is Jesus talking to the little girl, Mark 5:41. He is gonna speak in Aramaic to the little girl, and he says, Talitha kumi. Talitha Kumi. Talitha is a common noun that means little girl. It simply means little girl arise, little girl get up. In this scene in Acts chapter 9, anybody getting excited with me? I love this concept. In this scene in Acts chapter 9, Peter finds out what the woman's name is. We're told the name in Greek, but he knows her as the Aramaic name. He knows her as Tabitha. The moment he would have heard her name, a dead woman by the name of Tabitha, don't think, he did not think back to a scene when he had been with the great and glorious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who leaned over a dead little girl and said, Talitha, Kumi, little girl, rise up up, there is only one consonant difference in Talitha Kumi and Tabitha Kumi, which is what he would have said in Aramaic. Both of them say, get up. It's the difference between one is a proper noun and the other is a common noun. One was a real live name, Tabitha. Uh, The other one was Talitha. That meant little girl. And he said to him, get up. I think Peter gets in that situation, finds out what her name is and thinks, Oh, I've seen this. I've seen this. I cannot raise the dead. But I know someone who can because I saw him do it. I know it. I wonder if that name, the fact that she just happened to have the proper noun, name of Tabitha, might have rung a bell to him. I have seen the stone cold dead raised and I know how he did it because he turns away from her. Anybody into it with me? He turns away because he's got to get his nerve up. I mean, it's not every day that you call the dead back to life. Not every day. So he Turns away. So don't you know? He's just going like, "I saw you do this. I saw you do it. And as surely you said, greater works than these. You said we'd see greater things than these. This is a really great time to do it." <laughs> and he turned around. And he said every single one of those exact same syllables with one little consonance difference. And guess what? She opened her eyes and sat up and he pulled her right up by the hand just like Jesus did because Peter knew that the way to be empowered was to be Christ-like. Christ like, not to go after his own name, not to go after his own fame, but what did Jesus do? I will do that. Can you imagine what he did when she got up? Like, like, whoa! I mean, like, you cannot believe what I just saw happen. Nobody would have been more shocked perhaps than him when that woman got up and he presented her back alive to those women. Now, all of that to say, I love all of that part. <laughs> She was a maker of robes. I love that. I started thinking, I want you men to go here with us because remember, gentlemen, that so often we women really have to enter in with you on the scriptures because so often we're called in the scriptures the sons of God and... And um, we are referred to, we have to get into that picture with you when we're talking about um, men in the scriptures. And so we're identifying as a woman in the scene uh, where it's men so often. So I'm going to have to ask you, men, would you do that this time with us? Wouldn't it be something if God raised up people in our generation that robed other people? Maker of robes. covering us, not taking our pictures and putting them on the internet. Or God forbid, having us in such a place of mental indignity that we will take the picture of ourselves and put it on the internet. But instead, there are women and men raised up that can be trusted with those who are exposed and shamed and in our theology of our discussion, naked, and they're clothed. They're clothed. Are we people who clothe other people? That is the question on the table today. Do we clothe people?
2: Yes, we're supposed to be, and we're we're to be clothed in righteousness, not self-righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. And as Christians, if we show people what it looks like to be dressed in supernatural clothing, His righteousness, and in a spiritual, let's say, armor that enables us to live as Overcomers, Don't you appreciate Beth?
3: Absolutely. She helps, I mean, she helps so many people to understand the Word and, and God, how God wants us to live and to, and to,
2: to live victoriously, you know, well, not all bound up by all these bondages. <laughs> you sure are pretty. <laughs> hey, listen to me. By the way, thank you for letting us know how much you appreciate Beth and what we're trying to do with uh, the Wednesday in the Word program. And then let me ask you to do something. You know, a lot of times when you hear someone you like to hear teach, then you may not be as inclined to watch and and see what you might be able to do as you not only grow and learn, but how you can release effectively the power of the truth that transforms and the life of Christ, not just in word, but in action. I want you to listen very, very closely to an area of concern that I promise you, I promise you, you can meet. You can make all the difference in what you're about to see. And I think you'll want to.
4: There's little stronger than a mother's love. A deep desire to protect, to nurture. That feeling of peace as your child walks through the front door, safe from every danger. But what if they weren't safe? What if the greatest danger lies in the most basic substance? Water. This reality has haunted Tri-Mang every day since it took the life of her youngest daughter and continues to threaten this precious one who remains.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: It's hard for us to imagine something so essential being so difficult to obtain, but for Tri it's practically impossible.
3: They pray, ham, cork, clam, don't one catch a man who got some time. I not want to jump on the top. That did you know people back?
4: For now, clean water is but a distant dream in Tremang's village. Whether it remains so
2: is up to you. I don't know what all you you think about when you're watching that. I, you know, because we've been speaking and, and doing the program, my, my voice was a little dry and I, I actually got uh, a sip of water while I was watching that. And I just thought how precious that would be to, to her. It's something so simple and so obvious. Um, and that beautiful little girl, I really, I really fix, my eyes on that, that precious little girl a while ago. And I just, I wanted to take her little face and say, honey, we're going to get you some clean water. And, and I wanted to say, mom, we're going to let you do what you want to do for your, your little girl. And uh, I'm sorry that the nurse said that you, you maybe contributed to your child's death when you didn't have anything else you could give. And, and Betty, we can, we can give them water if we just will. You know, James,
3: my heart was relating to hers in that as a mother, I feel like she was saying, I would, if I could, I wouldn't
2: give her fresh water.
1: You could, if you would, give her fresh water. Help us drill the water well.
2: Yeah, you could, if you would. That's, that's exactly right. I, I believe you will. Father, I pray everyone watching who can help at whatever level, they'll understand it's huge. It, it's important. It's it Just a cup of water you said, it's special. And Lord, we can help give wells of water. Please move on people's hearts to do it. In Jesus' name, I ask it for the sake of those beautiful little children their families. There's a telephone number there on the screen. And we have a challenge from the missionaries to drill 500 more wells this year in areas they've located the need and the confirmation that there's water. And a lot of times they know that because people have dug a hand hole, a bore hole, and they find water, but it gets contaminated because of things falling in it or more people getting out of it and everything gets in it, there's no way to protect it. that's why we drill a well, we case it, we give them a manual pump, it can't be electric because the electricity is unreliable in most of the places where they desperately need the water. So we give them a pump that children can pump. In school settings where kids come, we've actually given them like a merry-go-round. So they can go around and we've built holding tanks in those areas where they're actually pumping water up into the tank. And then the water will flow out of a spigot. So we do everything we can with simplicity but in love. And we're always sharing where the love comes from. It comes from God. And so we're asking you to dial the number, take your bank card or go online, lifetoday.org. That's the easiest way. Take your bank card, make the largest gift you can. $4,800 per well. We're going to drill 500 Would you help with one? Could you do that? Maybe you could drill several. There are people who do that. Thank God for that. But most people give by giving 1200 or 2400 and pray others join them. Most of the support comes from people giving $48, which gives 10 people water, or $144, which gives 30 people water the rest of their life. There's a level at which you can help. Would you do it? We have some gifts we want to send you to bless you, to say thank you, but we're asking you right now to express the love of God by giving fresh, clean water and changing everything for people in very difficult circumstances. When we give them water for life, they're always glad to hear about the water of life because they've seen his love. Thank you for helping us share it.
0: Every day, millions of children are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst no child should ever be faced with this decision the good news is there is a solution mission water for life is one of the most exciting and viable demonstrations of god's love in the world today suffering can end because clean water changes everything with your gift today we can establish and drill 500 water wells for remote villages in over 12 different nations Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10 people. $72 will impact 15 people. And $144 will help provide fresh, clean, disease-free water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, you'll receive the Every Day, a New Day devotional. Broken out into the four seasons of the year, this daily devotional features scriptures, inspirational thoughts, a Bible reading plan, and a place for you to journal each day. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request the Names of Jesus pen set, one inscribed with the names of Jesus found in Scripture, and the other reflecting the gifts of the Spirit. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people, or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well and request this beautifully framed canvas print of The Forest Chapel by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today.
2: I really believe that that you did see that you can make the difference. Just a cup of water, perhaps a gift toward a well of water. We want to send you the name of Jesus' pens. These are absolutely beautiful. And uh, you'll find them effective not only in writing, but in a witness. Every day a new day. By the seasons of the year, every day, devotional, thoughts and then a place for you to journal your thoughts and grow thank you so much for your help thank you for helping us share life today and every day tell your friends to watch life today thank all of you for coming